My name is Matt. For those of you who I haven't met, I'm one of the leaders here. It's great to be with you. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis 12, verse 1. Genesis 12, verse 1. And we will pick up there in a moment as we continue in a series that we began in early September called Apostolic Foundations. And the goal of this series is to sort of lay a firm foundation that all of life and faith can be built on, the same foundation that Paul and the original apostles were laying in the early church. And uh, if you've been journeying with us since early September, you'll know that in, for the month of September, we focused on your identity in Christ. Uh, what is now true of you as a result of being in Christ? Uh, what is your identity? Because all of us are going to live and act and think out of our identities, out of the perception that we have of ourselves. So we want to have an accurate perception of who we are in Christ because everything we say and think and do is going to spring out of that. So that's what we focused on in September, ending with the concept that you are a child of God, that you have been adopted into the family of God. And as we stepped into October, the theme for this month is that you've been uh, adopted into a global family that's on a global mission. So every week in October, we've been highlighting different aspects of this global family that started with Abraham and continues with us today, and the global mission, which also started with Abraham, but was clarified and really brought to fulfillment in and through Jesus and his followers. So that's what we are focusing on for the month of October. And that family and that mission that we are contemplating together it begins uh, right here in Genesis 12, verse 1, with God's calling of Abram, who later is renamed Abraham. So the plan for today is that we're going to read these verses, and then I'm going to interview Brian Olson, who's affectionately known as Bo. Uh, and we are going to hear about his experience, both uh, with the, uh, being part of a global family, but also being on a global mission, what that's looked like in his life. Uh, we want to learn from his story of following Jesus into the nations, of uh, partnering with God as part of the family of Abraham to bless every ethnic group, every tribe, every language, every nation on earth. Uh, so, Bo, you can go ahead and, and come up here if you want. We can give it up for Bo. Uh, thanks for being here. I'm going to make sure this is on. Um, and, uh, Bo, thanks for being here this morning. I'm going to read these verses first, and I'll pray for our time, and then I just have a few simple questions to ask, and we'll just go for it. Sweet. Um, these are the verses. This is what God first said when he uh, called Abraham, well, currently Abram. Genesis 12, verse 1, he says, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples or ethnic groups of the earth will be blessed through you. Let's pray. Jesus, we praise you, Lord, that you have rescued us out of a self life, that you've rescued us out of our cramped little um, secular, hopeless lives that many of us were born into, and you've pulled us into your global family, into this eternal kingdom. 
which is already breaking into this world and which you intend uh, to touch every family, every ethnic group, every tribe and language and nation on the earth. Uh, what a beautiful thing to be rescued out of darkness and into something as um, stunning and grand as your grace-filled kingdom that is breaking out in every nation. As we contemplate that today, as we hear from Bo, uh, Lord, I, I pray that we wouldn't just say, oh, that's really interesting what God is doing in Nepal. Uh, I pray that you would lift our eyes to, to you, to your kingdom, to what's possible. As we hear about your calling on Bo and what you've done through him, I pray that it would ignite something in us, Lord. And that the things you've been speaking to us would come to life and be animated in a fresh way. That we would leave this place filled with faith for what you have for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Bo, thanks again for being with us this morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know Bo, he uh, was part of River's Edge Weekly. I got corrected uh, the other week by saying he's not a part of River's Edge anymore. And they said, yes, he is. He's still a part of River's Edge. Okay. He was here weekly with us as uh, a part of the, the local gathering for years before uh, feeling called to go to Nepal. And uh, Bo has been living in Nepal for the last year and a half. And I think this is your first visit home, isn't it, in that year and a half? Uh, and so we're excited to hear from you and what the Lord's doing and the way that he's called you. The last few weeks, we've been talking about this call of Jesus to go into every nation and make disciples, whether that's here in neighborhoods in Spokane or on distant corners of the earth, uh, and also the reality that we've been ab adopted into a family uh, that doesn't just live for itself, that actually has this great calling over it to go and, and bless every ethnic group, every nation uh, in the world. And so we want to um, continue with that theme, but through the lens of your life. Uh, and so just maybe you could start with just a bit about who you are, uh, the early decades of your life before we start talking about Nepal. Uh, most of us in the room won't have heard that story. So where were you born? What, what did the early decades look like leading up to that call? Good morning. Um, I'm actually going to share, share a dream that will tie in some of the early decades, a dream that the Lord gave me uh, sometime in the last year. And in this dream, I was in Missoula, Montana, which is where I was born. I lived the first 18 years of my life. And in this dream, I was driving in a car, and I was coming up to this major intersection in Missoula where everybody turns right onto the main road into town. And as the cars in front of me were pulling up to the stoplight and turning, each one had the opportunity to order something off of a menu, like order something for the day as they're heading into town to feast on. And I saw these cars in front of me and I saw what they ordered. And the first car went through and they ordered. The second car pulled through and they ordered the exact same thing that they had seen the car in front order. Third car, fourth car, until it was my turn to come. Everyone ordered the exact same thing. And then it was my turn to come to the intersection in the dream. And I got there and I just had this thought come into my mind, what can I order? Like what's on the menu? What is available for me? I've seen what others have, have chosen to take. Um, I've seen just that pattern continue, but it's my turn now. Um, what's available? And the Lord spoke and he said, you can, you can order anything that you want. Um, <laughs> And uh, that's 
in a nutshell, the story of my life. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I ordered everything from the menu in the dream. <laughs> and, and, and that was the end of the dream. But afterwards, I, I got up, and it was the morning, and I was awake, and I was spending time with the Lord and just saying, what do you want to speak to me through what you just showed me last night? And um, he said, Brian, you have the opportunity. <laughs> yeah. You have the opportunity to know me as much as you desire. You can have as much of me as you desire in this life. And from your yes to saying, Lord, I, I want everything that you have for me in this life. From your yes, the people that come to the intersection behind you actually have a different view of what they can order as well. They see, oh, there's actually more on the menu than we initially thought. Um, Amen. Amen. So Missoula, as I said, was home for 18 years of my life. I grew up in a beautiful family who is here today, uh, a mother, a father, a sister. Uh, I grew up in the church. Um, I have grandparents that are still alive that I got to visit last week. Um, I had a beautiful upbringing in a beautiful place, and I lived there for 18 years of my life. Uh, I moved to Spokane. Uh, mainly because I loved playing soccer. I, I got that from my dad. I saw what he ordered off the menu in terms of sports, and it was soccer, and I ordered as well, and I loved it. Uh, so I played all growing up, and I came here. I attended Whitworth University, and I played soccer for four years. Uh, I graduated, um, and I had a plan for my life. I, I majored in mathematical economics and computer science, and I just knew exactly what I was going to do with my life. And um, kind of in that time, the Lord started just to humble me and break down some of those plans in the most gracious, loving father way. That by the time I graduated from my undergrad, now I, I didn't have any plan. I, didn't, I, I no longer uh, was going to pursue what I thought I was going to build my life around. And now I was just at a big question mark. And I had an opportunity extended to me in that time to become an assistant coach for the men's soccer team at Whitworth. And I said, oh, this will be a great placeholder until I get my real life figured out. Like, let's do that <laughs> for a season. And one fall turned into the next spring, another fall. And by the time you know it, I'm three years into it. And I make a conscious choice. I say, wow, I didn't ever think soccer could be a job, but it can be. <laughs> and I want to order this now. Like, this is what I want to <laughs> order. This sounds so amazing. Uh, you get to gather people, teams, and team dynamics, and what you can teach through a little round ball is beautiful. It's like, oh, God, you've made me for some of this. This is, this is amazing. So I, I decided I'm going to go every, all, all chips in. I'm going to be a soccer coach. And uh, I, I did that. It was amazing. I was an assistant coach for the men's program for six years. And then I got offered the women's head coaching position, which I held for six years as well. And it was a dream job. After I got that position, you could have asked me, like, wow, if, if we offered you this like, Division I job, would you take it? I'd say, no, I'm, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Uh, I love this place. I was shaped mightily in this place. I'm getting a chance to pour into these young women in a culture that speaks something very different to young women. Um, just, just getting to speak a different narrative through a little round ball. I was like, this is amazing, God, you've made me for this. 
Um, but it was during that time, one of my first years coaching for the women's program, and I went on a recruiting trip. And in this trip, I, I just ended up in a church in another state that I had never been to before. And um, God just met me in a powerful way. I, I was in uh, just a place where I knew that I was dry and empty inside. Um, I knew all about God. Like I had read the Bible multiple times. Um, I had gone to church since I was little. I knew all about him. But I also knew that inside of me, whatever was on those pages did not reflect who I knew myself to be. Like outside, we can put on different, different layers, have a different shell. But inside, I knew there's no life here. You talk about joy and peace and love that abounds. And I looked inside myself. I was like, I, I know I don't have that. And I was in this little church. and maybe for the first time in my life, I just cried out authentically to the Lord. I said, God, if, if you're even there, if you're real, like I'm just questioning at this point of like, I'm just seeing such a disconnect in my life. If this is even true and attainable, if you're there, I want to I know you as much as is possible in this life. Like if, if you're actually there to be enjoyed and to be known, to pour out your spirit um, that's full of these things I desire, I want as much of you as is possible. And, and that, just to tie it in, that was my menu moment. When, when I came to this place of brokenness and just authentically brought my broken self before the Lord for the first time in my life, just let him see, like, you already knew, Lord, that I was dry and empty, but I'm just, I'm just authentically giving that to you. Now I'm handing it over to you to see what you want to do with it. And um, that day marked marked my life. Um, I, I got met by God in a, in a real way. I, I knew from that moment on uh, that he was inside of me, and, and I looked inside of myself, and I saw things that I had never discovered before. Um, this, this fountain that doesn't run dry. And, uh, and he, he just started to accelerate this growth and love of things of him and his kingdom in my life. And I stepped back into coaching at Whitworth, but everything was different. Like my heart posture, my freedom, the, the, the things that were coming out of me were actually authentic and true, and it was him and his spirit. Um, so now more than ever, I'm like, oh God, this definitely is exactly where you want me to be now for the rest of my life. Because now, like I have living water in me, it's pouring out into this team and into this campus, and I'm seeing the effect of your spirit in my day-to-day -day life just rippling across Spokane, Washington. Like, I'm seeing you work. I don't want anything else with my life. Like, this is, this is it. Um, and that, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's question number two. I think it's, you're flowing right into okay. what, what happened next. How did it change from sort of dream scenario, women's soccer coach thriving where you're at to totally different direction? Yeah. So, yeah, I was thriving uh, in my relationship with the Lord and in the work. It was just amazing and seamless. Any free time that I would get, I would go and spend time with the Lord. It was just my favorite thing to do. It's like, I'm, I'm going to go pray, not because I have to anymore, but because yeah. I, I love being with you, Lord. All I want is to commune with you today. 
Like I'm going to be in the word, not because I'm going to check off my reading for today, but because like, oh, your words are life. And I'm, I'm eating, eating that true food for the first time in my life. All I want to do is be with you, God. Uh, so in that time, I'm coaching. And uh, wow, wow. Um, I, I think I'll tell a couple quick stories just, just in this time that get me to Nepal. But yeah, hmm. yeah thank you, Lord. Yeah, so, so more, I'll just preface it with this, more than a call to Nepal, the Lord was calling me to himself. And that continues today, and that's an invitation for each of us. Like more than a call to whatever he's calling us to, he's calling me, he's calling you, he's calling us to himself. And so I'm in this time, I'm loving the Lord, and I find myself one day reading my Bible, and I come across this passage in Luke that, that talks about counting the cost. It says, don't, don't build the building if you haven't counted the cost. Don't go to war if you haven't counted the cost. Don't follow me, Jesus speaking, until you've counted the cost. And the Lord, in his still small voice, whispers to my heart and says, Brian, you've never actually counted the cost. Like You're knowing me, you're loving me, but you, you haven't actually surrendered every single area that I can touch, which is everything, you haven't surrendered every area of your life to me. You haven't counted the cost of what I may be wanting to do with your life. So I sat down with the Lord in a room, and I had a little notebook, and he would just start to bring one thing to mind. And I would count it, and I would write it down, and I would give it to him. And then he would bring the next thing to mind, and I would count it, and I would write it down and say, okay, Lord, you... You can have this. My, my physical health for the rest of my life, I realize that I, I, I am now giving up my right uh, to be anything but, but joyful and, and full of your spirit if I can't walk for the rest of my life. I give up, I give up the right to be anything but that uh, right now. You can do anything you want with my physical health, um, with, with my location and where I live, with my job that I loved with my relationship status, with, with my whole life, he would just bring one thing to my mind and I would write it down and give it to him. And at the very end, it just seemed right, I signed my name at the very end. It's like, <laughs> it just feels like a, like a covenant or a promise or this is, this is something meaningful that's marking my life right now. I'm actually giving you permission to have your way in every area of my life. And I had never done that before. I give you permission to be my Lord, Lord. <laughs> And it was, it was the next Sunday that I came into River's Edge. And I'm sitting in the pews. We were gathering in another building at that time. And Matt gets up to start the time together. And he says, hey, before we start this morning, we were praying as a small group. And we felt the Lord speaking to us in that time that there's a big move or change coming for someone here. And as soon as he spoke that, the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, Brian, it's for you. And I, and I said, what do you mean it's for me? Like, and, and I always find it funny because I'm, I'm the one who just counted the cost last week. <laughs> Everything, Lord. And then he says, this is for you, this big mover change. And I end up wrestling with the Lord for the whole service. I just sit in my chair, and I'm, I'm asking him, like, what do you mean there's a big mover change coming? I'm seeing fruit in, in my life. I, I'm loving you. 
I'm seeing fruit in the places that I walk and the circles that you've put me in, um, like disciples being made, people encountering the risen Lord. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean there's a change coming? And I, I end up after the service finding my way back to Matt, who is just sitting in the front row all by himself. And I sit down next to him and I just say, Matt, I, I don't know what's going on, but you know what you said before the service today? I think it's for me. And Matt went and grabbed some others from the church and just said, all right, we're, we're going to pray over you and we're going to see what else the Lord has to speak to you in this time. And people gathered around me and they, they prayed over me and they prophesied over me. And some of those things I still think about on a weekly basis, like what got spoken in that time um, through the mouth of Tracy, through the mouth of Matt, but from the Lord. Um, it's beautiful to be a part of a body. I, I still uh, walk in those things. Every week I think about them. But it, it wasn't until the end of the prayer that the Nepal moment happened. And, and as soon as the prayer ended, um, it was like the Lord just reached down into me and, and dropped two things into my being that I now knew that I didn't know before. And it's, it's the same way that I know I'm in Spokane, Washington with all of you right now. It just is reality. It's just what's happening. I know this. In the same way that I know this, I now knew, uh, here's when you're leaving your job at Whitworth, January 2022. And here's where you're going, Nepal. And what had just been wrestling for the whole service was now complete peace. Complete peace. And I went over by myself into the corner of the church with the Lord, and I just said, yes. I, I wrote it down. I wrote down everything that had just been prayed and prophesied and what he had spoken. I just said, yes. Um, I didn't know this before, Lord, but this is something that you've written for me from before the foundations of the world. Like this, this is what you have for this life that's now yours. Uh, so it was about two years from that day that he had spoken to the time that he told me that I was going to leave. But true to his word, I, I worked up until the last day of January 2022. And on the, the first day of February, I was on a plane going to Kathmandu, Nepal. Um, I'll, I'll mention one more quick story just as it relates to Nepal, um, because this is a, it was a big moment that I didn't understand at the time. And it was a couple years earlier. It was in 2018. And this is still after I had encountered the Lord. I was loving him, just spending time with him. And again, I was in my room by myself with the Lord. I had my Bible out. I was reading. And while I was there, I'd never had anything like this happen before, but I'm reading in the word. And then the next thing I know, I just have a completely different picture come in front of my eyes and I'm still awake. But now all I can see is this different picture. And it was a map of Nepal. And I didn't know anything about Nepal up, in, up until that moment. But in the vision, the Lord just let my spirit know, this is Nepal. I, I just knew without a doubt, this is Nepal. And the whole southern border where Nepal meets with India was on fire. And it wasn't a destructive fire. It was, it was holy and it was pure and it was beautiful. And it started at the southern border. And then it rose up and it consumed the whole map of Nepal. And then I was back in my room in North Spokane. Um, and that was 2018. I, I, just, I just asked the Lord, what was that? What, and why did he just show me? I had no context for what I had just seen. I'd never had anything like that happen. And he didn't speak anything further 
in that time, actually until 2020 when he spoke again. But I, I took what he had spoken in that moment. I knew it was from the Lord. And I just stored it away in my heart. And the, the picture that I always use is like Mary, where she's getting this huge revelation of whose mother she's going to be and, and what that means for her life. She's getting this visitation from a messenger of God. And it just says she pondered these things. She stored them away in her heart. She said, yes. She said, be it unto your servant as you've said. I said, I, I don't know what you're speaking to me through this, but I know this is you, and I know you showed it to me on purpose, so I, I just say, yes, I store this away for whatever you want to do with it. And then he spoke again two years later, and, and it made more sense of, okay, God, you, you've actually been showing me slivers of this, preparing me before I was, knew I was being prepared. Um, yeah, so January 2022, um, I think I got to share at River's Edge a couple of days before I took off. And then right, first day yeah. of February, yeah. I was on a plane going to Nepal. Amazing. Um, and this is probably the hardest question of all and sort of the last question. But uh, maybe you could give us some highlights from your time there. And it doesn't have to be like, hey, here's like the top three most awesome things. There's hard things about this, you know, going back to the whole counting the costs thing. but. In your own words, could you summarize what the last year and a half has looked like in Nepal and a few things you would want to share with us? So it's, it's actually been a joy, and that's not of my, my doing. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I'll share just a couple things. Um, Yeah, the, the, the biggest testimony that I can share um, that is authentic and true is that I, I love Jesus more now than when I left a year and a half ago. And that's, that's the best testimony I could ever share with you. That's what I want my life to be marked by is a week from now, Lord, I want to know you more. I want to I know your ways. I want to I walk with you. Um, I want to know your thoughts. He says, he says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, but he doesn't say we can't have his thoughts. Mm. My ways are nothing like your ways, but he doesn't say you can't know my ways. And I, I want to know your ways, Lord. I want to know your thoughts. Okay. I, want, I want to know you rightly, and I want to see you be known rightly. Um, in Spokane and in Nepal and all around the world, I want you to be known rightly. And he's, he's graced me with uh, an answer in the affirmative to every request of, I want to know you more. <laughs> and, and that's the biggest testimony of this year and a half is I, I know him more and I love him more and I walk with him more intimately now than when I left a year and a half ago. Um, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, mm, yeah, the, I think the enemy will, will attempt anything possible. He doesn't play by the rules to try to get our eyes and affection off of the one thing that Jesus invites us to have our eyes and affection uh, pointed toward, and that's himself. He says, hey, fix your eyes on me. And the enemy is doing whatever he can to say, look over here. You need to be concerned with this. This is why this worry is justified in your life. And Jesus says, look at me. And all of that actually grows dim and it'll fall away. Um, you, can, you can actually walk with me in, in perfect peace. It's a gift the world can't give. And I, I, will, I will say that I, I know that I've walked in the Lord's will and in his favor in this year and a half in Nepal, and it's been a joy. 
he planted me, just some practical side, he planted me in an amazing family. And I didn't quite know that coming in. I got connected with them about a month and a half or two months before I was leaving. I already had my plane ticket. And I got connected to this amazing family. And it's under the umbrella. It's called Iris Global is the name of the ministry. And they have a, a base in Nepal. And there's a husband and wife who God called to Nepal. Uh, they were living and working in the Middle East. They got kicked out and blacklisted from the country they were in in the Middle East for preaching the gospel. And God called them to Nepal. And they started this family in Kathmandu. And they've lived there for about 15 years. And I got to just land with this family. And it's been beautiful. Uh, they have been a part of raising about 40 Nepali children. And just for a little context, Nepal has nothing like a foster care system or government aid when it comes to children. If, if their parents pass away or if they get abandoned, um, it comes on to either private entities or they're falling through the gaps and living on the streets. So this family said, okay, God put this on their heart of we want to care for the orphans. And they've started to raise this beautiful family from a diverse background all over Nepal. And right now I, I get to live with 12 of the oldest children who have come up through this family over the last 15 years. Most of them have come when they've been young, uh, maybe four to six years old. And now they've been a part of this family for 15 years. So uh, I was working with college-age people when I lived in Spokane, and now I'm living with college-age people in Nepal, and I had no idea that was going to be the case, but the Lord was already weaving this together. Of Like, Brian, like I, I know how I've knit you together, and I know where I'm leading you. You don't have to worry. Um, I'm not going to miss a beat. So I, I live in this beautiful house. The Lord provided it about a year ago. And 12 of these kids, nine boys and three girls and one other staff member. And uh, it's, it's this transition time in their life where they finish with high school and they move out of the younger kids' home. And then they come and, and live with us. And we just get to do life together. They're cooking for the first time in their life. They're figuring out uh, finances and balancing a budget and what they want to continue to pursue um, with, with their order in their life of, hey, what... I have a unique opportunity as well. What do I want to order as I'm stepping into this life? So I, I have a huge privilege of living with this family. Uh, another big part of what I've done is I've begun to learn the Nepali language. And I, I knew from the start, the Lord put it on my heart about the first week being there. He said, Brian, um, you might be here for the rest of your life. Like that's the heart posture that I'm walking into. Of, uh, you might be here for the rest of your life. I've already counted that cost. Said, okay, yes, Lord. And I knew he was inviting me to learn the language. Um, Nepal has over 125 different languages across the country. Uh, but just about 50 or 60 years ago, they started to try to unify around one common language that would be taught in all the schools so you could go anywhere in Nepal. And it's called Nepali. So I've been, I've been learning the Nepali language. And I had never taken on a task like that in my life. I think I took high school Spanish and college Spanish. But my mindset was completely different. I was there for a grade. I wasn't there for love. <laughs> and this time, it's just completely different. It's actually a joy. Um, every word is more connection or more love that gets to be poured out. And 
Um, so the, the whole learning process is actually a joy. It's what I spent most of the first year doing. Um, I had a one-on-one -on -one tutor. I would go and see her every day. God was working mightily in, in pursuing her in love. Uh, she grew up in a Hindu family, uh, but just God was mightily pursuing her in love and was using me as a vessel to do that while I was learning Nepali. I also went to a government school. Uh, there was a, a university in downtown Kathmandu, and they offer a three-year program for international students to learn the Nepali language. And so far, I've completed the first two semesters in that government school. Um, yeah, it, it hasn't been quite as good as far as the learning is concerned, <laughs> but it's been amazing. And, and I know I'm a presence carrier of the king of all kings. And every day, I get to walk into the school and just expose people to the love of God. Uh, I have, in my last class, there were over 20 people in the class from all over the world. And a majority, probably 85%, uh, were there because of Jesus. Um, all over the world, China and Japan and Korea and Europe and America. And, and God had just touched their hearts in, in different but unique and similar ways to how he had invited me and said, hey, I want to express my love to the, my Nepali bride. Like, will you come? Uh, so I've made some amazing friendships uh, in, in that class, have an amazing community that I'm surrounded by. Um, so it, yeah, the language, the living with just day to day with 12 college age, uh, young people and then just different, different ministry outside of Kathmandu Valley and inside of Kathmandu, just some different places that, uh, Iris has, has purposefully pursued as the Holy Spirit has led, um, just, just to love the least of these in this city. And, uh, I think I'll, I think I'll finish just with one story of, of some of what he's doing in that context in Kathmandu. Um, there's, there's a part of the city, it's called Tamel in Kathmandu, and it's one of the most touristy places in all of Nepal. Uh, so a lot of Western money comes in, um, some really nice restaurants and hotels, and it's where a lot of the tourists will go when they arrive. It, it also has a huge... Um, huge population of individuals who don't have homes and live on the street. Uh, and many of those are children. And Iris, long before I had arrived in Nepal, Iris had been going to this area called Tamel at least once a week and just being with our friends there, just uh, making relationships, sitting with them, sharing meals with them, uh, playing songs on the guitar together, praying over them, loving, loving them. And we've, we've seen lives not be transformed, and we've seen lives be transformed. Um, oh, and that's, that's some of the tension for me, is you, you see the gentle, humble, meek heart of the Lord absolutely pluck someone up from the darkness and transform them into the kingdom of light. And you're like, okay, I see firsthand. There's, there's one young woman about 12 years old, we would go in my time there, and I would see her every week on the street. She had a mother that lived there as well, and you would never wish her life onto anybody. Um, but we, we knew her, and we would visit her, we would love her, and uh, eventually she was invited to come and live at the Iris Kids' home. She was resistant to this. Um, there were just some other voices trying to speak into her of, hey, they're, they're going to sell you into sex slavery. It's, it's not a good situation. There's just some lies that circulate from the enemy that try to prevent um, 
yeah, just a situation like this of, of, of a girl coming into a home that she'll be loved in. But after a process of about four months of pursuing this young gal, she actually came into the Iris Kids home. And you would meet her today. It's only been about a year. You would meet her today, and you would never, you would never know the, the life that she lived, where she slept, what she was involved in. You would, you would never know. You'd say, this is an amazing 13-year-old. Like, she is, she is full of joy. She has light in her life. She has amazing friends. She's going to school and excelling. Um, she's loving the Lord. She worships when we, go to, when we go to church. And you just look at this girl and never, never know. And I'm just seeing firsthand, oh, God, you, you are mighty. You, you have all authority in heaven and on earth. You can transform any life. And I believe that. And I want more. Like there's, there's, yeah. there's 30 others that are, that are still that, okay, young girls, young boys still living on the street um, that you haven't plucked out yet. And uh, uh, I, I think you want to, Lord. I think you want to. Uh, so just recently before I came back to the States a couple months ago, I was actually down in Tamale and I was visiting a friend. And this friend... He's from the States as well, but he's lived between India and Nepal for the last eight years. And just about a year ago, the Lord called him to be exclusively in Nepal. And he came to Nepal exclusively, and then the Lord called him to Tamel, and specifically the street boys who live in Tamel. And just the Lord gave him supernatural love for these young boys. Didn't have the love before, but that's no problem for the Lord. I can, I can give love. I am love gives this man supernatural love for these young boys. And he ends up moving to Tamel, having his own flat down in the area and just consistently pouring out the love of God to these young guys. And I go down to meet with this guy about a month and a half ago just to hear a little bit more, okay, what's the Lord doing here? Like this is a place that the Lord has burdened our heart with as well in Tamel. And I just want to hear what he's speaking to you, what he's doing. Um, we just shared some time praying and sharing testimonies. And you could just feel the presence of God in the room. Like, God is, is everywhere. Like, where can I go to escape from you? <laughs> it says in the Psalms, you're, you're everywhere. But sometimes his manifest presence is made known in a different way. And that's the kind of knowing I'm, I'm talking about, is you could just feel the presence of God in this room while I'm talking with this man. And we get done praying and sharing some testimonies, and he just starts to verbally process. He's like, okay, Brian, what, what, if, uh, what if these boys actually want to come off the street? Like, where will they go? There's not actually a home in Kathmandu that serves this demographic of boys specifically. Uh, where will these boys go? Like, 8 to 14 years old. There's, there's nowhere that would love them right now that we know of. And as soon as he said those words, the Lord spoke to my heart again and said, Brian, you're going to do that. And this was, this was a huge course correction for me. It was, it was nowhere on my radar. Like I, I had my rhythms and I had heard from the Lord in certain areas uh, that I felt that he had called me to pursue diligently and with love in Kathmandu. And that wasn't one of them. But he made it the one. <laughs> and he said, Brian, you're, you're going to do this. And, and I know when I hear the Lord, but I, I just wanted to make sure I heard him correctly. So I spent some more time with him that day, just seeking him like, Lord, I, you know that I'm yours. And you know that you have my yes. Like, if this is what you're inviting me into, I, I just want to be sure I heard you correctly before I go. So weighing this, 
praying again with this man. And the Lord just confirmed it. Like, yes, this is what I have for you right now, Brian. And this, one of the ways that he confirmed it was the same day that he spoke to me just a couple months ago. Of, I, I want you to um, cultivate a house and a family for these boys that live on the street. I ended up on a phone call with a friend of a friend who I had met a couple times previously. And this man ends up telling me, he's like, okay, uh, this might sound crazy, but me and my business partner, we started a kid's home about three or four years ago, and we both feel like the Lord is calling us into something else. They're both moving out of Kathmandu to serve the Lord in other places, in Nepal and elsewhere. And he said the, the kid's home that we have right now, all the kids are accounted for. They've all been adopted by families in the church, like every child that we've raised in the kid's home is accounted for. It's a, it's a clean slate. There's no one there. And we were thinking of just folding it, but the Lord didn't give us any peace with that. Um, we spent nine months doing the paperwork to get this business in good standing with the government. So it's in perfect standing. It has a business license in Nepal. We did nine months of work to get it in good standing. The taxes are paid. And we want to give the business license to you and your friend. And this was the same, the same day that it went from not being anywhere on my radar to now, okay, Lord, yeah, it, this, this is something that's on your heart, and, and you've put it onto my heart. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't think I'll go into all the details. He, he provided a house. I might go into all the details just quickly. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, so I, I will. I... <laughs> This is, this is just in the past couple of weeks before I returned. Um, and I, I went down with this man, and we're, we're spending more time in prayer, just seeking the Lord and listening, just sitting before him and saying, okay, God, what do you want to speak to us about this which you have invited us into? Is there anything else that you want us to know? And while we were just listening and spending time with the Lord, he spoke three really clear things. And the first one was that everything is covered financially. It's like amazing, amazing. I've, I've learned to trust him more in that area than I ever thought was possible. So I take his word as a yes. I don't know where it's coming from, but he said everything is covered for this home financially. Um, the second thing that he spoke was start with 10. Like start, start small, like max of 10. It will be smaller than that as it begins, but start with, with 10 of these boys. Um, and then the third thing that he spoke was he actually gave me uh, a name of a village that I knew about 25 minutes outside of Kathmandu. He gave me this name, Godawari. And while he gave me the name, he showed me this picture of a house. And I saw the house, but what stuck out to me was behind the house was a mountain, and then there was just a forest of trees. The house backed up directly into this forest. And if you know anything about Kathmandu, it's called like a concrete jungle. It's every square inch in the city that you can build on, you're going you're gonna to build on. And there's not space that's really carved out for parks or trees or green areas. It's just built. And this, this area, he showed me, okay, Godawari and this house that just backed up into trees and green. And I said, okay, I, I think you just showed us the house that you want to give to raise these boys in. And at this time, it's about five days before my flight back to the States. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take my little scooter that I love to drive. I have a, like a 110cc just scooting through the streets of Kathmandu. So much fun. Um, 
And I'll, I'm going to take my little scooter. It's about a half an hour drive up to this village on the outskirts of the valley. And I'm just going to be with you, Lord. And I'm just going to pray. And I'm just going to see what you have. And the first day I go up and I'm driving my scooter and I'm just talking to the Lord. And I feel that he wants me to stop and chat with this woman who's working at her house. So I stop and I start a conversation with her and um, say, like, is there, a, is there a house available in this area that we can rent? And she, she like looks at me and she was excited. I was speaking some Nepali to her and she's like, oh, I don't know anywhere off the top of my head. But while we're chatting, a group of people who's just walking like after school or after work on the street starts to gather around like, what's this guy doing in our neighborhood? Why, why is he speaking to Polly? What's going on? We want the story. So the story starts to circulate. He's, hey, he's here. He's looking for a whole house to rent. And this one uncle is like, oh, I, I know a place right down the road. And he ends up hopping on my scooter. And I, I drive this uncle down. He directs me to where this house is. He's like, oh, I know a place. And I get to the house, and I knew right away it wasn't the place. I'm like, oh, interesting, Lord. Uh, but I walk through the whole place with him, and I give him my contact information, and then I head back to Kathmandu after that first day. Uh, the next morning, I wake up, and I have a missed phone call and a text message from a number that I didn't have before. And I get back to them, and it's, it's a woman, and she says, I, I hope you don't mind, but I got your number from the uncle that went and showed you the house the other day. She said, I was on the street as well just when you were there and people were passing through. And I went and tracked down your phone number because I have another place in mind that I think you might like. I ended up driving up there that day, and it, it ended up being the place. Um, I, I got there, and it was right up against a mountain, trees all along the back. I can show you a picture on my phone after this time together. I would love to. Uh, but I, I got there, and, and the Lord just let me know, okay, this is, this is the place. And um, we weighed that with others. I invited some of, our, some of our other friends and family just to come and pray together and be on the property together. And um, yeah, just, just wanting that confirmation through our family because it's not just going to be me that's stepping into this and taking this on. Uh, and that was the resounding answer is the Lord gave us so much favor uh, with the landlord and the community. We expressed to them clearly, here's the demographic of boys that we're going to be raising and loving and inviting into this community. And they were 100% on board. They, said, they basically said, welcome to our family. Um, this area, 95% of the last names are the same. So they all come from the same last name. And this uncle is of that, that same last name. And he just said, well, welcome, into, welcome into our family. Welcome into our family. Uh, so after I left to come back to the States, uh, they signed the paperwork with the landlord. Uh, they're in the process right now of doing the legalities for uh, making sure it's beyond reproach that the boys come and live in this home. And it could be even before I go back to Kathmandu, I'm scheduled to arrive there next Friday. Um, it could be before that time that the boys actually start to come in and, and live, the first couple that have expressed, yeah, I, I don't want to live on the streets anymore. I, I want to come and, and test the waters of what it's like to be a part of this family of love. Uh, so that's, that's something very, very fresh on, on my radar. And I, I just am sensing that I think there's one more thing that the Lord wants to share just to us as a, as a body um, is he, he's not afraid of your limitations. 
Um, and he's not constrained to your skill sets or your, your areas where you think you are, you are gifted or he has anointed you in the past. And that's something he's been speaking to me through this process. Because if I was to look at my, my skill sets or where I think the Lord would use me, it wouldn't be with raising young boys. Uh, but he, he just started to tap on my heart and say, Brian, um, who, who are you to constrain what I can do in and through you? Like if, if the original 12 would have said, okay, here's what I think my skill sets are and here's what I think ministry with Jesus will be like. Maybe it's going from one fishing boat to a fleet. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to, like, here's where I'm gifted. I know I can do this well. Like, here's where the Lord can use me. I'm going to own 10 boats. And we're just going to feed, we're going to feed the poor with it and we're going to use it well. But that's, that's like big dreaming. And the Lord just let me know, hey, Brian, that's what you're subconsciously doing in your heart. You're, you're capping me to what you've seen me do before in you. And I'm inviting you into something new. <laughs> I'm inviting you into more of me. There's always more of me. There's always more surrender. There's always more laying down. Um, Will you will you put aside those limits and come and follow me? And I think it's an invitation, not not just for me, but something he wanted to extend and echo back to all of us in this time. Like, hey, don't don't constrain me. Um, Will you will you take me out of any box? Maybe that I'm inviting you into a season of newness uh, that might take a jump of trust. Uh, will you jump? Will you jump? Amazing. Well, thanks so much for your faithfulness to him. I know you're not doing it for anyone but him, but uh, it's just beautiful to see your faith and your faithfulness. And I just think of Romans 8 saying, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. What marks us as a family? We're led by the Spirit of God into places that, we don't know. What does it say to Abraham? Go from your country, your people, your father's household, for everything that's comfortable, and, and I'll show you. Where, where's the landlord? What am I doing? I'll show you. I'll show you the place. Uh, and we get to see that in, in what he's doing in you. So thanks so much for that. Um, let's give it up for Bo. Uh, Bo, thanks for being with us. Uh, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that every... Uh, Sunday in October, we're highlighting the global family and the global mission, and every Sunday in October, we're doing two things that make Americans uncomfortable. Uh, We're doing a special offering for something different every Sunday in October, because we, you know, Americans often get weird about money, but we love to give and give into things. Uh, And so two weeks ago, we gave to the persecuted churches in India. Uh, last week was the global offering, which is going to end up all over the world in dozens of countries. Uh, this week, it's to you and what's going on in Nepal. Uh, and I actually don't know. Evan's not here, and, and he oversees that. I don't know what we raised the last two weeks, but uh, today's the last day to give to. You can always do it, but if you're giving online, uh, this is the last day of our special offering. Anything that's given under the missionaries tab on our website or our app up to the end of today uh, will go to Bo and the work that's happening in Nepal. And as of this morning, there's uh, just shy of $2,000 um, that we get to sow into what you're doing. And maybe that'll help pay for some of the rent and food and getting the, the first boys established in the home. So. We're happy to do that, and every Sunday after the, uh, between the teaching and heading into worship, we're just going to take a few minutes to pray, and 
I think I give the same disclaimer every time. If you're new to following Jesus, if you're terrified to pray out loud, there's no obligation to that. We want you to just hang out and enjoy and feel comfortable. But for those who do, we want to lift these things up in prayer because we believe that prayer changes reality. We believe that it opens new doors. We believe that the the Lord moves because we're his kids. And we come to him and we, and we speak things in the presence of our Heavenly Father and he responds and he does stuff. So uh, maybe the final thing before we circle up is just one or two things that are burning on your heart of how can we pray for what the Lord's doing in Nepal. Yeah, so this, this ties into the home that I just mentioned, but uh, some, of, some of the most fruitful or best things I've found to pray and bring back to the Lord are things that he's actually spoken to me or the body and said, hey, here's when we've been listening to you, here's what's on your heart, and praying those back to him. And, and one of the things about Nepal as a nation that has been prayed and prophesied by many, many different people is that Nepal is going to be a predominantly Christian nation in this generation. Um, and uh, we're, we're, we're seeing the Lord work in beautiful ways. E- everywhere that I've gone in Nepal, there have been believers. Like I've been up in the mountains. I've been in small villages. It's not predominant, but there, there is a presence of the Lord everywhere that I've gone. And there's a, there's a hunger and a knowledge, even within Nepalese, that the God that the Christians serve is, is different than the, the demons that we are offering sacrifices to. Um, he's, being, he's being seen more rightly. And uh, yeah, one, so this, this ties in, but one, one item that he dropped into my heart when he was speaking about this initial home for boys was, was basically, Brian, this might not be the last home that you're a, a part of. And he said, I can work really practically as well. And just was, was speaking to me like, Brian, what, what if the Nepali bride, which there's just thousands and thousands and thousands, what if the Nepali bride was, was just breathed into by my spirit and I gave them just some of a revelation of how I see widows and orphans or the least of these, like my, my heart. And what if the Nepali bride said, hey, we're actually going to adopt every orphan in the whole country. <laughs> and he's like, what, what if, what if, what if every unwanted child who is wanted by the Lord, un- unwanted in the world, wanted by the Lord, what if every child that I want is raised up in my ways? I can, I can shift a nation really practically, Brian. Like it doesn't have to be um, just, just a crazy outpouring of my spirit. I'm all for that. I pray for that. I ask for that. Like just sweep through this place and reveal yourself in mighty ways, Lord. I ask for that. But I'm also not afraid of the practical of saying, hey, Let's, let's, let's call us into what, what are you speaking, Lord? Oh, you want to be known here? You, you love the least of these and the outcasts and the forgotten ones? Okay, let's, let's love them. Let's, let's go and let's adopt every, every child in Nepal and raise them in the ways of the Lord. And uh, so that's, that's what I want us to ask for <laughs> is, Lord, Lord, um, would Nepal be a Christian generation, Christian nation in this generation? Like, would you just sweep through with your goodness and your love? Uh, and would you be known in Nepal rightly? Uh, and would you do it through the youth? Would you just raise up young ones in your ways uh, who, who know you and are loved and are lovers themselves? Um, yeah, would you, be, would you be known in Nepal? Mm, wonderful. Uh, why don't we raise that up as our one prayer this morning?